Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> and um, semi-annual congregational meeting right after this. Uh, I'm sure you're all thinking of that. There's things like the Iowa primary impeachment. There's deadly viruses, you name it. And what's really been in the news, too, for the last week, starting last Sunday morning, <clears throat> was Kobe Bryant. And all kinds of things about Kobe. I was reading a story about ESPN reporter Shelly Smith, who talks about her experience. Uh, she had a, she was recovering from breast cancer, and she was talking about her rocky relationship with Kobe Bryant. And she had shared that she had covered the reportings of his trial in Colorado, and that she reported some things that he just disagreed with, and he was angry with her, and said he'd never speak to her again. And, and they didn't speak for five, six, eight, nine, ten plus years. And at one point she had come to one of his events because he, she would be reporting for ESPN and she was there and he saw her and he was aware of her cancer and she was going through both chemo and radiation treatments and she reports that, um, he came up to her. He this is what she writes. He came up to me and gave me a big hug and my jaw hit the floor. He said some things are just more important. And there's all kinds of good and bad stories in, 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 in our lives and in his life. And I thought about that and I thought, what would it take for me to think and act differently about something maybe I've made up my mind about or I have within the view of my windshield of life some things that I go, what would it take for me in a damaged relationship to do what might need to be done to repair it? And what about some unhealthy, self-destructive habits that I have? What, what would it take for me to think and act differently? Uh, <clears throat> maybe the way you're present with your family and with all that's going on in your own life with career and everything, or the way you invest your money or maybe don't invest your money. Or the conflict that maybe you refuse to face. Or your health and maybe eating patterns and exercise. Whatever it might be. What is it that could make the difference? What's required for you to think and act differently? The reason I bring this up is because when we looked at this first part of Exodus 1 through 6, I named it a way out. And now as we look at this next part, chapter 7... As we go on through about first chapter 15 or so, it's what I call think differently. It's what might God be doing in your life and my life to jar your attention in such a way that you might think and act differently. Because that's what God does with a ruthless leader and ruler named Pharaoh and, and what he is doing in his situation. And God gives him not just one, two, or three chances, but God gives him over ten opportunities in great mercy to think and act differently. And he also comes to a group of people who are slaves with, with a slave mindset, who he wants them to know their true identity, that they are his chosen, that he loves them, that they are their, his sons and daughters. And even though they've been in this place and they've moved into this slave mindset, he's come to set them free. He wants them not just to leave Egypt, but he wants them to leave their life of sin. He wants them to leave their sense of, of who they are and move into a place and move into a land where they know the promise of a God who loves them. 
And a guy, Moses, who God comes to him, and that's the whole first chapters of these books, is he's trying to get him to think and act differently. Recognize this, Moses. It's not up to you to make the change. You'll be a participant if you just humble yourself, and you will see me work through you. And for some, you might be in that place where God is just continually showing you that you're just really not enough. But God is. The reason I titled this Rethink or Think Differently is because in the, in the New Testament, the word repent is made up of two words in the Greek. It's the word meta, naeo, two words. And, and it means to, to, to again, meta, think. When you think of repentance and sadness, well, sadness are things that come when you think about the damage and hurt you've done. But the prior work of that is this meta work in your heart that begins to convict you about your need to make change, which then emotions and other expressions take place. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because we're moving into a season as we prepare for Easter. And, and the church is historically called this Lent. It's not this idea that you give up something so you can earn something from God. It's really more about this idea of what does it mean to really think again? What mean to think differently, to allow God to come into your experience and and begin to say, you know, this path that you're on might not end up where you want it to be. So I'm going to challenge you by by sending some signs and and speaking to you in certain ways so that you might think differently. And so when we come into this time, which the church has historically come into Lent, I would really challenge you to think about as you think of all that Jesus does in his passion and his death, think about what does it mean for you. Maybe in some area of your life, God's talking to you. That you might think again. So let's do a really quick review of chapters 1 through 6, okay? So we're going to get right into this story. Um, and here's the review. I'm going to give it to you this way. D.L. Moody sums it up well. It was on our Facebook page yesterday. I don't know if you saw it. Anybody look at the Facebook page yesterday? Uh, a few of you. Okay. Um, Deal Moody said, Moses spent 40 years in Pharaoh's court thinking he was somebody. It was all chapter 1 through 6. And then 40 years in the desert learning that he was nobody. And 40 years then showing what God can do through a somebody who found out that he was a nobody. That's what we're going to get into. That's the story right now that we're at. God is able and about to demonstrate what he can do through somebody who is humble and dependent and listens and follows him. So I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to read the, I'm going to read these verses. If you could just stand. <clears throat> it's good to get the blood flowing. You can move around a little bit. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says you perform a miracle, then say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh and it will become a snake. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just what the Lord commanded. Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials and it became a snake. Pharaoh then summoned the wise men and sorcerers and the Egyptian magicians also did the same thing by their secret arts. Each one threw down his staff and it became a snake. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Notice, they didn't say snakes, staffs. But yet Pharaoh's heart became hard and he would not listen to them just as the Lord had said. Lord, thank you. We ask that in these few moments you would open our hearts, that God, we would have the kind of hearts that would truly be 
aware and open and responsive to you through the voices of others, through the incidents that occur in our life, through your word as we read it, as we sing, whatever it may be throughout creation as it points us to you that our hearts would think and act differently. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So I love how this story starts out. I love the fact that you have these two guys, and catch this, they're in their 80s. In their 80s, they are finally fulfilling the call of God upon their lives. Now, I have to say, that gives me and I think some of the rest of you great hope. I don't know if you're in your, your 60s, 70s, or 80s, guess what? God isn't done. You may have some of your best work for God in front of you. Did you believe that? I hope so. You don't sound too excited about it. <laughs> and some of you who are in your 30s and 40s and, and maybe 50s and you're in this place, I just want you to know God may still have some of his greatest assignments for you yet to come. And it's so hard in that 30s, 40s, and 50s, that age range, because I know you want to kind of make your mark. You feel you got to make your mark. You make what you, you, you got to get ahead in your career. And, and what I just want to challenge you to think about is God has the ability to promote you whenever he needs to. If you're single and you're in this place, you're lonely, God has the ability to bring into your life the person he needs you. What he wants you to do is walk with him, become the kind of person he's called you to be right where he's called you and build his character in such a way that you're ready when he's going to promote you. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Psalm 37, 34, so don't be impatient for the Lord to act. Keep moving forward steadily in his ways and he will exalt you at the right time. And I just want to say to some of you in those younger years, if you have family, there is no greater assignment on your life than raising those kids and the influence you have no idea of their kids upon their kids upon their kids. And if God wants to do something else, whether it be in a career or whether it be in, in some area of recreation, whatever your heart's pining for and God knows, let him move you into it. So that's the first part. I just, I love that verse. As he goes on, it tells us about the Lord says to Pharaoh, he says to Moses and Aaron, just be ready because when you come before Pharaoh, you've come in my name and he doesn't know me as a God. I'm a God from the outside. He sees you as a Hebrew, which is this idea. Kind of Hebrew is more almost this word like an immigrant kind of people. They see as just poor kind of wandering people and your God who, who can't be too strong because you're slaves to us and our gods are much greater. They're much bigger. And so the, he's going to probably ask you for some kind of proof that your God is really as big as he thinks he is. And so what I want you to do is to take your staff. And shepherd's staffs were, were their, uh, was their sense of authority, their leadership. They would carry that staff and they would have special staffs. And they would carry those staffs often throughout their life. And he says, I want you to take this staff, which is your authority. And it's the authority I've placed in you to speak and to do these things. And I want you to throw it down and become a snake. And that's a really important thing in that day and age because snakes were revered throughout Egypt. The, one of their strongest gods was the sun god Ra. Anybody been in the desert? Any, come on, a few of you. Raise your hand. Let's, let's wake up here. Anybody been in the desert? Okay. <laughs> Anybody feel the heat of the sun? They knew this was a powerful god. They experienced this god. 
And so they associated this sun as that, and, and they would associate it with the cobra specifically as a snake. That's why you would see an Egyptian, um, go to Tutmos and others, you'll see this little cobra emblem. That's why he uses the staff and the snake. It has something that means something to Pharaoh. So then they go in. It says in verse 10 and through 12, again, it says a second time, just as the Lord commanded him. That's really important to write that down, just as the Lord commanded him. And Pharaoh calls on his wise men and sorcerers after he sees this snake kind of in his mind trick. He goes, yeah, I can get some of our guys to do it. And you have to understand, wise men and sorcerers in that day were the um, political advisors in those courts, and you can read in ancient literature, they would come in and they would be the ones who would know the dark arts and they'd know incantations. They'd, they'd know the different kind of rites and things they'd have to say to manipulate the sun and the other things of weather and things such as that. So that they would come in and they were kind of going to, you know, be proving that they could do what Moses and Aaron were doing. And I want you to understand, though, this idea of magicians is not kind of like a David Copperfield and Penn and Teller. It's not what you go down to see in Las Vegas. Okay? They were much more than that. They were like priests, highly revered, who would be somehow working in the supernatural realm on behalf of Pharaoh, who was considered a god himself. And we're told that these come in, and in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8, there's one mention that says, just as Janus and Jambres... These two people opposed Moses. So there is historical data, it's even recorded in the Bible, that there were two of them that were probably quite well known who were leaders of this against Moses. And so the Egyptians, magicians, they come in and we're told they do the same thing. Now how did that happen? There's all kinds of stories. I don't have time to go into all of them, but let me just give you one potential story that could make sense. How were they able to do it? They were probably called by Pharaoh... They would have been informed of what had happened in the court and they would have come with an expectation of what they were to do and so they would come in prepared. They also had at that time through different things that they had done and they did throughout Egypt, they had the ability to paralyze cobras by putting pressure on a particular area in their neck so that they became rigid. It was kind of their secret information. So they most likely arrived with these snake-looking staffs that when they came in with these hypnotized things, they probably did all these kind of charade acts and stuff. They threw it down because it's recorded that when you throw those snakes down like that, they break the spell. And now you've got a mess. Lots of confusion. Anybody ever see the ad on TV for snakes on the plane or something like that? We got snakes in the court. And they're going around. And I think Pharaoh's kind of going, whoa, get the, get, take care of these things. And it didn't happen, but long after, not long after that, Moses and Aaron's snake swallow the other two snakes. And the word swallow in the Hebrew is, not, is this idea of gulped. You ever seen how a snake eats something? That's the actual picturesque language in the Hebrew. They kind of gulp these two down. We should have said something to Pharaoh. It should have pointed to the fact that these guys are real. At least the sign was pointing to this. And what's interesting is you go through this book of Exodus when it says that Pharaoh and his army finally came after them and they were going through the Red Sea. The word it uses is the same word, swallow. The sea swallowed them up. So you have this kind of prophetic word, picture, 
taking place, and I talked about prophecy last week, and I mean, I encourage you to get and listen to that, but this prophetic word picture that points to what God's going to actually do. It's a power encounter. It's foreshadowed the incredible power of God over anything Pharaoh and his courts and his country had. And God comes to him. This is really the first time, and there'll be ten times more, out of mercy, knocking on the door of his heart, saying, I would like to come in. And verse 13 says, Yet Pharaoh's heart became hard. And these words caught me. This last summer, when I was just reading through this devotionally, I wasn't reading through it with commentaries. I wasn't trying to read through it academically or other ways. I was just trying to read through devotionally, and I was just asking God with a quiet spirit, prayerfully journaling. I wanted to hear what the Spirit had to say through this passage, and this just struck me. And he would not listen. And he would not listen. And it jumped out at me, those words did. And I began to think that every encounter I have, and I don't do this well, okay? Some people are really good at listening. Every encounter... What I have with another person is an opportunity to listen well. To be fully present. Every encounter when I fail to listen or refuse to listen, I wrote this in my journal, actually makes my heart a little less vulnerable, a bit harder, and a callus thinly forms on my heart. Every encounter is an opportunity to listen and not harden your heart. It's not about merely hearing the voice of God. It's about maybe hearing the voice of God through someone else. It's about hearing the heart of someone else. It's about helping them understand they matter. It's about helping as you listen for God to know he really does matter to you as you read his word and you come to church and you hear a message and you, and you say, I want to hear you. It's about being the kind of person who has a loving, gracious, and understanding heart. It's all about character. And folks, what I desire for each and every one of us to do as a people here, as a community that can have an impact on other people's lives because we work in places where if we're being formed here, we can help actually change the atmosphere where we go. I am praying that we will have those kind of hearts that listen, that are present, and that allow for God to speak to us, to one another. And as I thought about this, the question came up, what keeps a person from hearing God? And I'm just going to run through three things that I think if you look at the heart, and you might go, well, that's maybe where I'm at. One of them is a proud heart. We see it in Pharaoh. His response reveals something really important in regard to listening. He stubbornly chooses to not listen. Now, I can see that in an extent because they did just what the others did, but he failed to look and see and understand the next thing that this snake gobbled up the other ones. A proud heart just fails to hear. It needs to be right. How's that work in relationships? It needs to control. How's that work when you try and manipulate towards your outcome? It needs to have things your own way. 
and refuses to listen, becomes a little less vulnerable, just a bit harder, and a thin callus begins to grow. And it denies the opportunity for God working in your heart right at that moment to think differently so you can act differently. Proverbs 28.14 says, Blessed is the person who always fears the Lord that but hardens their heart and falls into trouble. That's really what God was trying to do for Pharaoh, was to help him to know that he was going to be leading not just himself, but his whole nation into a world of hurt. Because of his pride and his own stubbornness, he couldn't see it going any other direction. He had to be in control. He was this mini-God. And you may go, well, I'm glad I'm not a mini-God, but we're all kind of mini-Gods in our own life, right? We, we are a center of our, I don't have your perspective unless I actually stop to listen and allow for myself to put off what is going on in here to take your perspective. But we're all mini-Gods because we see it from our own perspective. It's just a matter of are we going to let ourselves get out of the way so that we can truly hear. And proud hearts don't do that real well. We have all kinds of ways that we show our pride. Uh, we rush and we hurry and any time uh, we do that, that hurry and rush is evidence of what? We're more important. We're just really busy. We can be inflexible. It's another way. You know, we've never done it that way, so we can't do it this time. We can be unwilling to grow and learn. You know, uh, I, I don't need to learn anything more. My, my daughter and son-in-law, as, as you had seen, I was holding my little grandson here as we were worshiping, and, and I'm really trying hard, because I'm a grandparent, to kind of understand their rules and the ways they're le- raising their child. Now, there's a part of me who wants to go, yeah, look at I raised you. <laughs> but in all honesty, in, 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 in the, sometimes I can act humble, and this, I guess, is one case, so I'm telling you one of the good things and many bad ones, right? I usually give you the bad ones. In this case, I said, you know, Kels, do you have a couple books that you've read that have really influenced you? And she gave me one. Thank God it was this, you know, short. <laughs> but I read it and I go, man, God, I wish I knew that when I was a parent. I wish I knew that as a leader. Because I want to grow. I want to listen. I want to hear. I, I, our, our culture doesn't allow us the ability to hear well. We are so easily distracted. We may look like we hear well. I, I saw this ad the other day, and I thought, since it's Super Bowl Sunday, I'm going to show it, because it, it might just give us a little comic relief. Have you ever spent, like, five minutes with him? He's totally self-centered and insensitive. We just don't go together. I mean, she's my best friend. She has these emotional needs he can't meet. Remember what she went through with Brad? It's just, like, awful. And now he's the one acting needy? He's at the 50. He's at the 40. He's going to go all the way. Johnson breaking loose. The rookie's on fire. This kid's having a huge first half. It's just incredible. You're such a great listener. Need I say more? <laughs> Let me talk to you about another one, a wounded heart. <clears throat> what causes your heart? Sometimes a wounded heart. You have a broken spirit. Moses' first encounter with his own people was, was really like that. He had done these negotiations. He had late, so remember when we were in this series, and if you were part of it, 
He goes in the very first time to talk to Pharaoh. So the first time he meets with the Hebrew people, they're all on board. Yeah, yeah, three-day worship vacation. We need a break. And so it's kind of like, I'm paraphrasing. Um, And he goes into Pharaoh, and he's there before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh goes, are you crazy? You from now on, you're going to have to get. I'm. And he he makes this ploy. He he makes the the his the Hebrew people work harder, get their own um, straw for the bricks, and now even the foremans are pinched because they're the ones who look. And it just gets bad. And he comes back, and the people are down and out. I can't believe it. You're negotiating. You're you're. We fire you, Moses. We don't want you as our negotiator. Look at the what's happened. And Moses comes back to him because God tells him to, and he comes back to me because and you, know, you pretend you're the Hebrew people. Hey, listen, guys, I know that didn't go well, but God has talked to me again. I'm going to go back to Pharaoh. Anybody on board? You know, so here's what it says. Exodus 6, 9. Moses reported to the Israelites, but they did not listen because of their discouragement and cruel bondage. They had a broken heart and spirit. They were deeply wounded. They couldn't hear. And what's really interesting is God doesn't have Moses kind of bow up, boy up their spirits and give them a pep talk and cheer them on and say, come on, you guys, you can do it. Just come on, we can do it. He doesn't do that. He, he tells them to leave. Okay, they're not going to be, they're, 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 their hearts are just too wounded to hear. And it says, the Lord said to Moses, go, leave, tell the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt to let the... Israelites go out of the country. But Moses said to the Lord, if the Israelites don't listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me? Since I speak with faltering lips. And so this is Moses' heart's problem. He's just constantly afraid. I can't do it. I, you know, if I, it's, and God's going, it's not about you, Moses. It's just about you being responsive to me. Anyway, God says to Moses to do this, just be obedient, do what I tell you. So Aaron and Moses did just as the Lord commanded them. And he basically is saying, here's what I want you to do for a wounded heart. Merely live out what I've told you and they will see through you that I'm a God of hope. Let them see a living example of confidence and hope. Don't try and cheer them up, but live out this example of confidence and hope. Don't try to talk them out of it. Don't try to talk them into it. Let your actions be my voice and they will listen with their eyes. People listen with their eyes. One of the best ways to teach a child, I think this learning from my book, to um, to say thank you is not to say, now go over there and command them. A lot of times it's if you go, hey, watch, daddy's going to, you kind of do the thank you. It models for them. They listen with their eyes. Don't we listen with our eyes? There are all kinds of situations and people. I have, I have times... Um, Couples will come in for counseling, and this has happened where, where in over a long period of time, I'm just going to use the wife has been deeply wounded, and, and the husband hasn't heard, hasn't listened, and it's just gotten to a horrible place, and actually been mean and and living on it, you know, it's got his cake and eating it too kind of thing, and and I say, you know what? Here's the most important thing you can do to the husband. It's not about thinking right now, because she's coming in often, it's in a situation they want to be separated, they want to divorce. I say, here's the most important thing you can do right now, is don't worry about working on your marriage. 
They go, well, don't worry about it. No, I don't even want you to, because don't try and talk her into it. Don't try and do all these kind of things. Don't make a two-week change and think that's going to make the difference, because maybe that's done it before, but it doesn't work, right? You've tried that. Now you're at this place. The heart is wounded. She needs to see. She needs to listen with her eyes. You need to do this. This is your most important thing that you need to do, is you need to begin to listen to God and listen to others around you and become the kind of person that's attractive, to her heart. And that's going to take time. Broken spirits take time to heal. But I promise you, Jesus is the healer. And if you're in a place where your spirit is broken and wounded, you don't need to wait for some other person to treat you differently. You need to put up a boundary and say no. And then you need to begin to say, God, you hear me and you love me. Jesus, I ask you begin to heal my heart. And he will. He will. There's one other kind of heart that I'd like to ask you to think about. It's the responsive heart. Twice it says in this passage that Moses and Aaron, and one time Moses, did just what the Lord commanded him to do. God all the time is looking for people who will not on their own go out and make it happen, but will be humble enough and dependent enough that when they listen, they hear what God says and they do it. And they do it obediently knowing that it's not up to them, but it's up to God. Your actions, your faith will release often the work of God. You know, Jesus, when he would teach, he would teach and he'd go, those of you who have ears to hear, hear. You kind of think, well, that's an interesting to say. You know, is he saying if you have ears? No, he's saying if you have ears to hear. He's not saying do you just listen to it. When he says you have ears to hear, here's what Jesus would say. Take what you've just heard and begin to live it. Have a responsive heart. Do everything I command. And here's the reality. When you are responsive to God's commands and you in faith say, I, you know, it may be a little thing. God doesn't come with you big things. You gotta make this huge change. A lot of times he comes with you just a little thing. He says, if you just do this, if you just maybe, maybe you're in a place where you have never thought about God and, and he's starting to challenge you. you. go, and God's just saying, I just want you to kind of start, you know, just opening heart a little bit and just start asking me, you know, are you real? And, and, and as you have that kind of faith and you kind of step into that kind of faith, it's really amazing. That's when you begin to see and experience God. And maybe in your life, in your situation, you've been praying for someone and God keeps telling you the way you're to treat them is a certain way you're supposed to love them. Not to be a you know, doormat or something like that, but you're supposed to love them. And it's, it's not, you're not supposed to manipulate them. You're not supposed to not talk to them. You're supposed to just in whatever way he gives you to do that. And unless you step into it, you won't experience it. Moses would never experience what God had done and we would never be reading these stories if it wasn't for what Moses and Aaron did. They did Exactly what the Lord commanded them to do. So, I'm going to conclude this. Um, I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. I'm going to ask you to think about three questions, okay? Are you listening well so you can think differently? Are you truly paying attention or are you merely wanting to hear what you want or you just don't care to listen? Are you fully present in the moment? Do you take time where you can even within relationship to God? I mean, you can be like this on a Sunday, like that thing where you, 
I think you're listening. <laughs> Your mind's a million places out there, right? Are you coming and saying, I want to hear you? Because the only way you're going to actually act differently is by thinking differently. And it all begins by saying, God, I want a soft, vulnerable heart. So I want you to be thinking about this as I continue just to give these questions. Is there one place in your life or one person or one area of your life where God is just saying to you right now, and you've heard it as I've been speaking, this voice, picture, whatever has come to you, and you go, yeah, God's challenging. Maybe it's with your wife or maybe it's at someone at work or maybe it's with a child or a grandchild. I don't know. And then second is, are you seeing well so that you can think differently? You know, you know, when God starts speaking to people, he often shows it, demonstrates it by giving signs. He loves us that much. Not signs, it's like, you, know, you give me the sign, then I'll do it, God. No, it's more like he's speaking to you, then all of a sudden you go, wow, I thought he just said that same thing, and here I'm in this environment. That, what a coincidence. It isn't a coincidence, it's God getting to get your heart. Pharaoh saw a transformed staff from us, you know, being eaten by this other snake, by the snake, and he, but he was just so pre-committed to his own reading of events that no matter what evidence was presented before him, he would not, he could not choose to listen. And let me ask you the last thing. As God is getting your attention, as you listen and you are seeing signs of it, where is he saying, now think differently? Because the only way you begin to act differently, honestly, is you start thinking differently. The Holy Spirit wants to transform your mind so that you begin to be led by God. I'm going to ask us to read this together. If you want to read it, you can. I don't want you to read or commit yourself to anything you're not ready to. But if you read Romans 12, that verse I have right at the very end. I'm going to read it for you, you to, to see it, and, and then um, we'll kind of play this for just a moment so you can think about it. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Now the next part. And if you want to read this, you can read this with me. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. They're going to sing, and I'm going to just ask you just to let God speak to your heart for these uh, few choruses of the song.
bow your head? You know, if you may be even in a situation where you feel like, boy, it, 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 you know, I've wounded a heart or I've wounded, I mean, God, I just haven't heard him and my heart's become hard. And here's what's so incredible. God doesn't ask you to jump through hoops. He doesn't do anything like that. He just says, my face is grace to you. It is, it is a gift. My presence, just like any relationship, is a gift. And he gives it to you right now. He wants you to know his love. He wants to walk with you and he wants to talk with you and he wants to guide you and he wants to be a part of your everyday life. He wants to move through you. So if you're in a place and you've just been saying, God, you know, for the last maybe a couple months or so, I've been in this dead end. I've been seeking and, and right now I just sense your spirit speaking to my heart. Just open your heart to him and just say, come in and just begin to, to speak to my heart. And I want, just tell him, I want to follow you. I want to know you. And if you come and you do have a wounded heart, uh, you might be in this place right now that you look up to God and he's looking down at you and his face shines with his, his love and he wants to lead you into healing. And it may not happen overnight. It may take time. He may be calling you to step up and to learn some things about who you are and how you need to handle things. But God will do it with you. He will be present with you. So if you're in that place and you feel deeply wounded, your spirit has been broken, we just invite Jesus to come in. He is your healer. He is the one who will work into your being. God might be moving in your heart, whatever he is, in the only way he can do it, where he's reaching into your being, just open your heart and, and invite him to do what he needs to do. The greatest gift you can give to another person is trust. The greatest gift you can give to God is, is trust doesn't mean you have to understand everything about it. It may mean you have lots of questions. You may be skeptical about things. That's just okay. It doesn't matter. God's bigger than all your questions because he's bigger in the sense that he loves you in those questions and in your search and in your struggle. He is here. He is present. He, he is here for you. God, we dedicated a little baby today. And babies are so dependent and they're so full of life and they're full of joy and they move around and they squirm and all that stuff. And yet, God, you love them and God, you love us and all that we are. So God, we thank you and we praise you for this morning and we are just grateful for this time together. We want to be like those little babies dependent on you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask the prayer people if you want to come forward.